Hello, gentle listener, and welcome to Michael and Ethan in a Room with Scotch. I am your host, Ethan Bartlett, and this is my guest, Michael Lillianthal. Hi! Excellent work, Michael. See, it was different this time. Yeah, that was that was very good. I literally said, excellent work, Michael, which I think I have said every, every time. time. Um, but, so, you know, whatever. We, talk about we gotta, calling the kettle black beer. We gotta work one at a time on this thing here. Yeah. Um, so... Yes. Uh, so this is stuff. a show. This we're is a show. Things. We're we're doing things. As you know, <laughs> if you've listened to our last eleven episodes, which if you have, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, we this is we did our. Oh, we didn't even though. I was we gonna say we did our best, but we, no, we just no, we are didn't. we just are idiots who like the the uh, point of late capitalism that we are in is such that we have easily attainable recording equipment and yep. like means of broadcasting and that's all that this is. Yep. So we are making ourselves famous. Not well, really, but but we are doing a thing which we would not have been able to do. To the entire world. Anybody in the world. That's actually really frightening. Anybody in the world like could hear this. I've told people what some of my favorite books are and they might make fun of me for them. Yeah. I mean if they, they do, might. I will hunt them down and hurt them. But they might do. It, you know and what? I would feel that. You know, we do we do a really hard work on trying to keep the explicit tag off of this podcast. <laughs> We're really close. So, like I said, you know I what? said hurt them. Even, I didn't say murder them and bury them. Kids could listen to this. Oh, I see. This what is you're practically saying. a kid. You know, I if this were a saying. kids' show, one of us would be a puppet. That's true. And you're sm- much smaller than I am, so <laughs> I think you would be the puppet. Which would mean my hand, Hi, kids. my hand would be up your ass. Yikes! So, so much for keeping the explosive tag that. off this show. <laughs> anyway, oh, uh, so this is part two of our discussion of the book that just fell on the ground with a bunch of my other books because Way I'm to a be professional. garbage human who doesn't clean. You did, or, did you say it on the air or did well. you say it before we recorded the last episode that there that probably there was would going be to be an avalanche of books? The sound of falling books. Yeah. Which technically there hasn't been, except between the episodes when we weren't recording, but True. Yeah. True. But there probably still will be. Yeah. Uh, also, I can make that happen. Do you want that to happen? I will end you. <laughs> oh, okay. I will kill you and bury your body in the woods. Um, Kids, please don't listen to this anymore. And also, please don't kill people and bury their bodies please in the woods. No. Nope. You, if you do kill We're someone, avoiding a you have man to, situation. You have to turn yourself in. Yep. That's that's uh, as moral authorities we we, uh, yep. we have a responsibility to tell with you this great power that we this, have. Yeah, that. Of broadcasting. Yeah, this great broadcasting power. Anyway, okay. So we are reading And the Mountains Echoed by Khaled Hosseini. We are drinking a scotch that is called Longbrow Peated Campbelltown Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. Mm -hmm. Um, It is uh, by J&A Mitchell and Company Limited in Campbelltown in Scotland. Um, mm-hmm. From the Springbank Distillery. Right. Uh, We've been drinking it for two weeks we straight. We have been drinking it for two weeks straight. And, and for fight. that, and fighting, and for drinking it for two weeks straight, we have a fair amount of this scotch left. Yeah, holy cow, we've been uh, drinking this slow. Right? Which leads to our point we should give this PSA. Drink, drink responsibly, responsibly, Ethan. Michael. 
And gentle listeners. And gentle listener. <laughs> we have to say them all in those oh, uh, yeah. those acrimonious tones. Yes, very, very acrimonious. The um, acrimony is, is high with this one. Um, very good. Very good. Uh, sort of repetitive and wasted some time, but also very good. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I mean, very good, but also the gentle listener could take their podcast cassette clip God, out the why? Every, every time said that. every time what is your problem with people listening to our podcast because it cassette? doesn't happen but like if we someone... have not received a letter in those two weeks proving well, okay proving no, that doesn't prove it anything proves the sort of person who listens to this podcast on cassette and still writes letters clearly spent two weeks just hunting down that freaking goose to get oh the perfect gosh. goose quill to make into a pen to send us their letter to tell us, which they ultimately will, that they listen to this podcast on cassette and that uh, I am right forever. Uh, um, all right. When that happens, you can gloat. I but will. For now, I'm going to gloat that it You can't happened. gloat in prep, prep. You can't gloat before. I'm gloating now. You're a butt. You wish. No. I don't know what that means. Why would I wish you... Okay. Okay. So, rules. No. Once we clink glasses here in a minute, filled with the scotch that we've been drinking for two weeks, we must no longer mention the scotch. In addition, we can not mention anyone's mothers in any sort of pejorative or joking fashion. I may not mention vampires or any of its derivative words. I may not mention the phrase first paragraph. Correct. If any of us do the rules that apply to us, we lose. If we lose, we must suffer the punishment. In the form of a verbal stunt as prescribed by the not-loser. Yes, because there are no winners. No. All right. Have I covered everything? I'm pretty sure that's everything. Let's okay. talk about this I just stupid see... book. Go, uh, go to the thing. Oh, oh man, thing? we're only like five minutes in or so. Holy cow, that's like the that's shortest the intro ever. shortest rules we've ever done. Woo! Including on any part two of this podcast, which really the rules should take a lot shorter on part freaking two. Because... Theoretically, if you're listening to something that's labeled part two, you've you listen listened to, to part, part one, one, unless, well, I was going to say unless you're an idiot, but we need literally all the listeners we can get, so, so unless including idiots. you're a very beautiful person, but also right. if you didn't do that, you are also a very beautiful person. Literally everyone listening to this podcast is a very beautiful so and wonderful beautiful. person. You know what would make you even more beautiful? Is if you gave us a five-star review on iTunes. Or uh, any of the other places that right. have star reviews. Stitcher? Does Stitcher do five stars? I don't know. I know Podcast Addict does. Right. Well, or... Podcast Addict is iTunes, basically. Is but it? For podcasts. Okay. I don't understand how any of this works, because I only have an Android, and I have, like, an Android from seven generations ago. Right. So I'm pretty, pretty bad. Just That's a pretty okay. bad person. Okay. Just a faulty Podknife? person. Podknife? I think you can review on Podknife. Oh, I don't even know what that is. We're on it. Are we? Yeah, cool. we're on it. They well, tweeted that's... at me. Did they? Yeah, they did. The like the 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 the, the, the pod knife people. Tweet Twitter. Thing. What did they tweet? Uh, well, they I forget how how it all went down. I think I saw them tweeting about another show that they added into their library, and mm -hmm. then they were asking for recommendations for other shows. And I said, "Hey, I do a podcast. It's this one." And they like listened to us and then tweeted about it and wow. tweeted back at us. And said, yep, we've added you into this thing. And oh, so, well, so Podknife, check Podknife out. I, think I like them. They've got... They're very good. I don't know if they've got They are now very system. good. They are very, very good. They are very good. I, I know this now mm -hmm. from what you just said. Yep. Uh, okay. 
Are we ready to clink glasses? Yep, let's do that. Before right. we do any more talking. Slan Shabbat. What was that salute? <laughs> I made it up. <laughs> can you can you spell that for me? <laughs> I want you to tell me how you think it's spelled. I think it's spelled like B B B B B B B apostrophe L H. That's just about right. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna get a t-shirt printed with that, and people are gonna ask me what the heck is that, and I will tell them it's this podcast. <laughs> Well, Michael so, like, and Ethan in a room with Scott. You really just don't want anyone to listen to our <laughs> podcast ever, even less than they do already. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> now I want that to be our salute forever. <laughs> yes. Well, okay, here's the question. When we do our next recording session, will we remember that this is now our official... That is the question. That is the question. That is the question. You're more likely it's to remember dep- because, because I you do the will editing. Edit and so then... I'll listen to it theoretically before we record again. Yeah, and also theoretically sober. Theoretically sober. Right. And Not that. Wait, is there a reason we wouldn't be sober completely this whole time? I can't think of one. Drink responsibly. Ethan. Michael. Gentle listener. Karen. <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> Why are we saying our wives' names? I just wanted to include them <laughs> oh, so some of the blame would be off me. Yeah. Um, All right. Okay. Uh, I forgot. This book. This um, book. Oh, yeah, we're doing a book. With we're talking about this book. And there's a theme here that I want to ask you a specific question about. Well, a couple questions. Maybe okay. maybe questions, maybe statements. We'll see how it comes out of my mouth. Okay. Um, From my brain hole. <laughs> Wait, is your mouth your brain hole, or is that something else? <laughs> I'm really not sure. I think a mouth, like calling your mouth your brain hole is pretty fair. Also kind of gross, I think, <laughs> but pretty fair. Yeah, here it comes, out of my brain hole. <laughs> Let me tell ya. Please, actually, no, don't say that anymore, ever. <laughs> you can't stop it. It's a thing now. I know, but I'm just requesting that you not. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll that's see. what I thought. So... Now I'm going to tell you out of my brain hole. Uh, <laughs> please, no. There's a theme of memory in this book. Is there? There's a theme of memory. Did we, like, um, say this? Having a vague memory we that we, like, said this, like, two weeks ago. prefaced it two weeks ago. Yeah, like, we said, we talked about there being a theme of memory. We didn't yes. say anything else. No, we didn't. We didn't. Okay. But we were starting about it. Yeah. I'm try- there are two avenues I want to take here. Which one do I go through first? Ethan, I'm going to ask you which avenue I should take first. Do I take the, the left easy or one. the right? The easy one. But which one is that, left or right? Right. Right. Okay, to the right. Because you always make three right which turns in order to make a left turn. Which one was which? So just no, pick one. I don't. Okay, no, to the right. Okay, so um, right, my wife read right, this book a while right. ago. She read this before I did. Ugh. Um, and you gotta she, put the. You gotta stop that. I know. You, you gotta know, not. Pretty let soon her she'll start that. thinking. Right. And then we've got a problem. I'm not a misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> let me just say that yeah, very you explicitly just, you right just now. Are gonna die. I yeah, know. I I did lay that trap for you that, on purpose. That earned us the explicit rating. <laughs> On iTunes. That <laughs> Wait, right does there. that mean I just get to start cussing as much as I want? No! <laughs> you still want kids to listen Wait, to Riddy, Riddy, I'm going to stop us so that you can easily cut this. Okay, give us a flag. Riddy. Beep. Beep.
Okay, are we... Oh, all right. See, there's there's yeah, nice, like, dead space on yeah, either side that. of that. Yeah, that's really easy to see on that yeah, file that right is, there. So, you got that is. out of your system? I now? did. I'm <laughs> done right. now. Good. Or I've just started, either way. Well, oh, my goodness. We'll see. Okay, so Something memory. that my wife said okay. about this book, yes. which may have influenced my reading of the book, because uh-huh. she said it before I started reading, uh-huh. and then while I was reading, uh-huh. when I said something, and then she said this and made my brain explode, Okay, um, is that... That sounds like abuse, honestly. But... <laughs> so, yeah, it's not a healthy relationship. It really <laughs> is. It really is. We have a wonderful marriage. I love my wife. It's it's great. It's wonderful. What do I feel like we're both going to die? We're dead. We're We're dead. dead. So there will be no episode 14. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what did your wife say? My wife said that in this book, memory is a character. Oh my gosh, my brain just exploded. Right? Which means yours and my relationship is abusive, but also that's amazing. Right? Yeah. Um, and and okay. that ties in with some of my uh, analysis from the previous, you know, two weeks ago. Right. Uh, that uh, there are no character arcs right. in this book. Um, and that kind of goes for memory, too, but not really. Memory itself gets a character arc. Well, I, I just off the off the cuff, um, I want to say that it almost ties in with my analysis from last time of the idea... Of this, the switch between an oral culture and a and a written culture. Yeah. Um. Now, now, okay. So last week I went, I took us back like three hundred years to the eighteenth century in right. order to talk about Thank Castle Rackham. Thank you Rackham. for that hike. That was You're welcome. exhausting. Well, guess what? We're gonna go a couple thousand more years past that. Oh no. my god. Wait, yeah, we are. Um, and then some. Dad, stop! We're gonna go to Plato! I don't wanna! You gotta, cause I'm driving this car, and you're in the back seat, and also the chloroform should kick in very soon. What chloroform? Uh, yeah, that's right. Alright, I've now taken over this podcast. Um, and I forgot everything I was gonna say. This so is a hostile takeover. It's, it's gonna be 45 minutes of just me not remembering things. I feel like the Wait, part how are two you episodes... alive now? <laughs> I've come back. I know, chloroform doesn't kill you, but... Uh, so, right, it doesn't. <laughs> I'm still alive, obviously. <laughs> I feel like the part two episodes on this podcast, we go way off the rails, no okay, matter what. Okay, here's what happens. It's like, this podcast is a constant war from one end to the other between us making a point and us digressing completely. Right. And often in part one... The point we are wins. winning. Like, we are winning. Right. Making points. Yeah, the points win or uh, on our side, right? Right. And often in part two... The digressions. The digressions just, like... What they've done is they've gotten, like, a weird-looking cripple guy to sneak up on all our, like, insanely CGI'd Spartans from, like, a weird goat path that only he knew about. Um, and he led the Persians down and, like, snuck up on our CGI Spartans and took us from behind. That is such a specific and horrible analogy. It is. It is, because 300 was an awful movie. Yeah, it, um, I mean, I like seeing guys with swords cut other guys' heads off. But right, but like... That's how, the extent of my enjoyment of that movie. But also, how did that become boring at a certain point? Yeah, that's that's actually a really fair point. Like, it became boring. Um, anyway, okay. We're, we're not talking about 300, we're talking about And the Mountain's Echo. This is literally an illustration of what we were 
talking about, uh, as opposed to figuratively an illustration, which it also actually is. So why we, we don't need to go into that sort of distinction. No, we don't. <laughs> so this is this is uh, our our trying to make a point has assaulted Omaha Beach. <laughs> And the Why? Dig- <laughs> More illustrations that don't need to happen. <laughs> the digression machine guns have just slaughtered all our forces. Um, oh, you freaking dentist. What? Gatling, he was a dentist. Oh, yeah, very good. Yep. Um, also, see I hate see you. what I did right there? No. Yeah, you compounded the problem. No, I didn't. You did. Like yeah. a compounded uh, uh, tooth. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is horrible. So bad. Where are we? Where are memory we right now? As a character, let's okay. uh, ground I, us. Okay, so memory as a character. Um, yeah, you so, were taking us to Plato. To That's Plato. What the problem That's was. what the problem was. It was, was such a freaking we long were, road all the way back to Plato. <laughs> we were trying to hike twenty seven hundred years of <laughs> literary and philosophical history. And can you blame us for getting lost? No, listener? you cannot. I submit that you cannot. Um, we're going a lot more into the yellow end of the spectrum this episode, I noticed. Yeah, I know. Uh, Which I means know that, that for the rest of the episode, we need to talk louder, because no, when it filters not... itself down, the stuff that we speak quietly is going to be completely lost, because we've been talking too loud for other parts of the episode, so that means we need to talk louder we've to been... make it all work. We've been talking too what? What? We've been Quietly, talking too loudly, loud. loudly, what? Loudly. loudly. You said we've been talking too loud. That's actually okay because talking can be a being verb. Damn it! I mean, darn. I mean, gosh dang, the darn blankety heck. <laughs> um, I'll fix that in post. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the, the listener is going to be very curious earlier from now as to why there's just one long line of just bleed. <laughs> just <laughs> Wait, can you just grab what we just did just and what we just that did. over? I'm going to do that Please from now do. on. Thank you. That's what, at about 18 minutes and 33 seconds? I, I got 38. Down. I got 1838, I think, is the big sound spike. Alright, I'm writing it down. Okay. So, we've got uh, that. Anyway, okay. you were going to talk about Plato. So, Plato. Right. Now, I have no idea what I was going <laughs> to say about Plato. Okay, so Plato... In one of his works, that's literally all I can remember right now. It's in one of his works. Uh, uh, are you thinking of the Republic? No. Oh, okay. Uh, it's either. Hmm. Nope. I got nothing. I don't want to say it and be wrong because, like, I the can't listeners be wrong. will make fun of you. They will, and they will do it in their brains, and I won't be able to stop it. Yep. Okay. In one of Plato's works, right? He talks about the invention of writing, oh. and. Um, the uh, the the Egyptian god Thoth invents this this idea of writing, and in that work Plato or or uh, the you um, sure that's not the Republic? It might be, but I don't think it is. I think it is. I'm like eighty four percent sure it's not. I'm like seventy four percent sure it is. Well, so I win by like ten percent. No, that's not how percentages that, work. That is. Um, so shut up. Uh, okay, so when Thoth, Thoth invents writing, right, and he brings it before uh, the, the pharaoh or the king of the gods or whoever the hell it is. Pretty sure it's pharaoh. Um, ah, but maybe not. I might yeah. be wrong. Okay, yeah, see, um, so... this, is, this is us desperately batting back the forces of digression. Yep, alright, uh, keep your point going. So... Hold on, I'll hold the digressions back. Back! Stay back! Keep going. Good work, sorry. I was, I'm holding. I was I'm holding them back. Too fascinated by you and your uh, 
You Damn it, they've snuck up behind us. Dang it, you distracted me. I was holding them, expecting you to I keep was, going with your point. I was seduced. And then you stopped, and so I had to turn and tell you to keep going with your point, which meant the distractions came back in. I was in. seduced by the, the uh, Persian distraction orgies. Um, what? I don't know. I saw 300 like seven years ago, so I don't remember how it worked. But I think there were orgies that, like, there were naked women that tempted the guy into betraying them or something. Anyway, um... Maybe, so, yeah, that was when that. Thoth invented writing, the authority to which Thoth presents writing... Pharaoh or Ra or whoever. Or, whoever, or Zeus or whatever. Um, said, you know, Thoth presents it as, like, this only positive thing. Like, it's just a wonderful thing. And um, the the head of the, the gods or whatever it is says, no, no, this is, this is going to make us forget things. Yep. Um... And and that's, you know, something that, that the transition, as well documented as it has been, um, between oral culture and written culture, that's something that we've charted. You know, the the idea that in in ancient Greece, in pre-literate ancient Greece, uh, you had these bards going around who memorized the complete text of the Iliad, you know, because these were the people who kept the flame of culture and the, the knowledge um, that had been passed down from generation to generation, they kept it alive orally by these great feats of memory. But as you will notice, so here's here's an exercise you can do, gentle listener. Ooh, um, we're giving them homework. Yeah, think of think of a list of any twelve things. It's best if you unite the things under some heading. But any twelve things, think of it like and hold apostles. that the yeah, or yeah, the the apostles' work. Hold that list in your mind. Memorize that list now. And I'm assuming you've you've uh, hit pause on your on your cassette player and yeah. you know after you've memorized the list. I'm just so leaving it in groans by this point. That's what I'm saying now. Oh, I almost broke one of the rules, but I'm gonna not. Um, <laughs> uh, write that list down. Okay. So step one was was think of the list, keep it in your mind, essentially memorize it. Step two is write the list down. Step three is step away from it for a day. Don't look at that list at all, and then try to remember the 12 things 24 hours later. I almost guarantee you, unless you are abnormally, like, good at remembering things, which you will probably already know before doing this exercise, I almost guarantee you, you will not be able to remember that list. Yep. Um, and that's the effect that writing has. Um, you know, and, and you, so, so you start off with writing as, like, this exclusively positive thing, you you say that no, there's this negative thing where where you forget, right? It it mm -hmm. causes forgetting, and that's what Plato in whichever work this is that we're talking about, what he says, right? Um, you know, writing causes us to forget, but then the flip side of that flip side is that writing. How many sides do this flip have? A lot, a lot How of many sides. It's sort sides? of a tesseract, like multi-dimensional, like there are twelve okay. dimensions, and it has a side in every dimension. Don't worry about Got it. Got it. That's fun. So the flip side of the flip side is that in being able to write stuff down, you can now store far more knowledge than you could before. Yeah. And if if as you as you're claiming, Michael, if memory is a character one, and if two, memory is the only character with a character arc, I almost want to suggest that that's what the arc is. Yeah. It's that tra transition from oral 
uh, storytelling, oral memory, the sort of like long-term, long-form memory required in an oral culture, to the short-term, um, write it down and forget it because it's there where you wrote it down sort of memory that we have in print culture and now in the age of the internet in almost a post-print culture. Can I prove to you exactly how that is the story arc? Of Absolutely. The character arc of memory? Absolutely. So we mentioned this last time, the, the first chapter of the book is an oral story yes. told from memory. Yes. Right? Right. Uh, by the end of the book, the character to whom that story was told is suffering from what, Ethan? Memory loss. Memory loss. Mm -hmm. Some sort of dementia, mm -hmm. theoretically, here. Mm -hmm. uh, memory loss. And uh, so memory has gone, right? right? Memory right. is going away or has completely gone. And then the last line of the book... Well, let me read the last two lines because the last line is a sentence fragment. Mm -hmm. um, she shuts her eyes, drifts off, untroubled, everything clear and radiant, and all at once. Mm. Everything, all of the information down all at once while memory is gone. Interesting. So it's it's almost like the final reversal or the final resolution of the tension throughout this whole book. Yeah. Of memory as both the the ally and the enemy. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. Memory helps you, you know, keep these these things, keep keep the memories, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it also limits the number of memories that are there. The lim limits the information mm -hmm. that you can have there. And so, get rid of memory. You don't remember anything, but all of the information is there, all is there. at once. All at once. Interesting. That's that's where I'm seeing this this character arc of memory, and I mean you see that with um, so we we talked a little bit about who this story was about, mm -hmm. and I think it's about Perry. Mm -hmm. If it were, yeah, better. I think it is. <laughs> I mean, it's I think Perry. even so, it's about her, but it yeah. would be better if it were better. If it were better, it would be better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To put it into tautological terms, rose is a rose is a rose. Thank you. And tautology is tautology is a tautology is a tautology. Boom! Take that. Put it in your pipe and smoke it. Uh, so, Perry, uh, one of the things that... Um, and I, I, there was a specific line I was trying to think of, too. But So, Abdullah finds these feathers for her, and she finds these feathers mm -hmm. and puts them in a box. Mm -hmm. And those, like, there's a memory connected to each feather. Right? Yeah, right. When she's got all of these. Uh, and the, the book itself becomes Perry's little box of feathers because if, I don't know if, does your edition do this where every amplified paragraph break has a feather in front of it? Uh, I think it does, yeah. So, like, very specifically trying to make that a very important thing. Yep. You've got a little yeah, feather. Does, yep. Um, so there, there's memory tied to the feathers. Mm -hmm. Right? Then Perry, when she goes off and she gets sold to this other family as their daughter, mm -hmm. her memories fade after a while, and soon her new mother and father become mother and father, and her mother and father from before are completely forgotten after a while. And she grows up, gets into old age, does not remember all of this until she's exposed to the fact, oh no, you have a brother. There's something written down 
that tells yeah. her you have this brother, and right. then a couple memories get brought back, but not completely, mm -hmm. because then uh, the other Perry, her niece, who's named after her, finds the little box of feathers and right. hands it to her, and Perry, the original Perry's reaction to that box of feathers is, I don't know what this is. Yep. She has no memory of the feathers. Yep. So the memory of the memory is gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, so her arc connected with the arc of memory itself mm -hmm. is the main focus of the story. Yeah, yeah. And it's essentially an arc of forgetting. Yes. That's interesting. It's really fascinating to See, think about it in that terms. Well, we're here in ancient Greece, too. I don't like it here. Well, too hot in ancient Greece. You know what? Maybe if you would actually wear the... No, I was going to say the toga, but that's ancient Rome. Yeah. You know what? I wish like, I could wear a toga. Get, it breathes so well. Get naked and run through the streets. You'll be Ugh, fine. I don't want to do that. Um, that's what we're all doing here yeah. in ancient Greece. Well, if all of the ancient Grecians jumped off a cliff, would you? Well, like, how high is the cliff? Is there water it, at the bottom? Is it fun to jump off the cliff? Spoken like a true Grecian. No? What? No? Greek? What? No. No? No. No, a Grecian would not ask how high the cliff is before jumping off the cliff. Oh, well, it depends. Or am I an initiate of... See, you're doing the same thing all over again. Am I an initiate of Bacchus, or am I an initiate of Apollo? See, spoken like a true Grecian. As Grecian is not the right word, though! Grecian is the right word! Have you not seen the music, man? One Grecian urn, two Grecian urn. Okay, so like, what you did is you just took the gates of our castle of making points and you threw them <laughs> wide open to the evil forces of digression. In fact, not only did you do that, but then you like swan dive <laughs> into their invading horde and just like sort of sort of a bedroomized me from like being crowd if grecian isn't a word bedroomized is certainly not a word well but apparently grecian is a word it is a word which means well, it bedroomized is a word is but it was used incorrectly no it wasn't yeah it was no it wasn't it was, no it wasn't because you're a grecian person i'm gonna just Cut your throat and bury your body in the woods. This is a kid's show. I'm a puppet. <laughs> Not a kid's show. And if you are a puppet, then I have my hand up your ass, which makes it not a kid's show again. Oh, it's a freaking catch twenty two. If it is a cat, it if is. it is a kid's Which show, is it's not a kid's show. Probably not a book we will read on this podcast, but maybe it is. I don't maybe. know. Maybe we could we if could. one of us picks it. Right. That's that's what it depends on. Right. When I was picking it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, what are we talking about? <laughs> this book. This book and the mountains echoed. Mm -hmm. um, oh, so with this theme of memory, I want to bring up the book we talked about last month. Ah! Boom! I, I win! <laughs> I hate you. Not if I cut your throat right now! Ah! No, I want to bring up the okay. first chapter. I'm actually, the first question. I was going to let you do this because I want to see if what you're going to bring up is the same as what I'm going to bring Am up. Am I bringing up the same thing you're bringing up? I don't think so, but oh, okay. go ahead. Um, well, the, the first question, which is the one I asked you with our last book, yes. is about the amnesiac self. Yes. And why is the amnesiac self a thing? <gasps> and, it's a freaking brilliant tie-in, and it's not the one I was going to do. I don't well, think, but thank you. But the idea that, uh, you know, you've got these characters who forget and mm. start new lives. The question is, would Perry's life... Well, maybe this is 
a question, not mm. the question, mm. but think hypothetically about Perry's life. Would it have been better if she had not been sold, if she had been able to keep her memory? Right. Did her life improve by her forced amnesia, with air quotes there? Mm -hmm. um, and it's really only forced amnesia in a certain very specific sense. Right. Because even if she had not been sold, she would have stayed in the village. She probably wouldn't have retained all of the memories that she did lose, mm -hmm. but she certainly would have retained a, a thread, I guess, mm -hmm. a, a connective tissue going back to the time of those memories. Mm -hmm. And But to answer the question of would it have been better, you simply have to define better. Right. Well, and that's kind of brought up by the very first chapter when uh, Baba Ayub yes. is sent back from the Div's palace, and he's sent back with forgetting right. everything. Um, and that's supposed to be a mercy that's that, that's right. very explicitly stated as a mercy, that he is forgetting all of this. And then the very end of that first chapter has a nice reversal within the reversal. Yeah. Um, if I can find it. No, I can't find it. Yes, I can. Uh, uh, yeah. Are you talking about the jingling of the bell? The jingling of the bell and the fact that uh, Baba Ayub you know, sometimes come in for no particular reason, he can't sleep, right? Yes. That's on page 16 in mine. On those sleepless nights, it's on page 15 in mine. Yours is wrong. On those sleepless nights, he slipped from bed without waking his wife, fetched his cane, and left the house. Walked in the dark, the cane tapping before him. This is good crap, but, but bad summary. Every once in a while, he thought he heard another noise. It was always the same, the high-pitched jingle of a bell. So, in answer to your Last question, yes. Sometimes he told himself that he heard no such thing. Sometimes he called out into the darkness. No reply ever came. But Bobby, I didn't understand, just as he didn't understand why a wave of something, something like the tail end of a sad dream, always swept through him whenever he heard the jingling, surprising him each time like an unexpected gust of wind. Um, mm -hmm. So... There's a wonderful reversal there where you can, if you read the rest of that opening chapter, you can sort of infer that maybe um, the jingling is like knocking him back out of a trance or back into the sort of real world after he's yeah. uh, talked to his child who he lost. Um, so the talking to the child that you've lost, you know, theoretically would be a sort of a good thing um, or sort of a thing that could make you happy, but in the end he's he's sad as mm. opposed to this gift of memory just supposed to take a sad thing and turn it into a happy thing i have no idea what further point i was making beyond that well it's just interesting to analyze the connection between memory yeah and once the again loss of that memory memory and the loss of the memory and is it is it a sad thing or a happy thing yeah is it a mercy yeah to forget yeah is it a mercy to not have to cling on to these sort of oral traditions passed down? Is it a mercy to have it written down and therefore um, be able to sort of have it, but also move beyond it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Word. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. Good work. So that, okay. there's there's the connection so, that I that I was seeing. Um, the amnesiac self 
sure. Lost in the Cosmos. And I'm tempted and to go very... into the next room and get my copy of Lost in the Cosmos and like read some of the discussion questions from the Amnesia XL. But I feel like well, it would take it, us like a really long The question long time. is, is it because the characters have yeah, that gotten whole bored? Or have the characters gotten bored? Has the writer gotten bored? Yeah, which we could go into. Housewife gotten bored. Yes. <laughs> um, which again, she makes an appearance in this book. Yeah. Because she's gonna gonna she does. Roshi's book and and you know have a book club read it. Yep. That's, housewife right needing to forget. That is bored. not the uh, connection I was going to make. Okay. I, the connection. But I, I won. Let make. the record show I won that fight. Uh, he did. In that he hasn't yet noticed the knife that I stabbed into his back while he thought he was what's, what's delivering oh the my gosh. final uh, blow. Uh, 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 uh. I didn't think that through very well. He just bled all over my fun chair. Have fun cleaning that up. Oh, I will. So, the connection I was going to make is something we did, I believe, talk about on our last uh, set of episodes, our, our Lost in the Cosmos episodes, but as... We have mentioned a few times, don't drink in podcasts, or drink responsibly, or I don't actually remember exactly what we said about this, but I believe we talked about the idea of re-entry problems. Yep, we did. Um, and this really ties back into your idea from last episode. Of, we talked about the problem of talking to our wives with re-entry problems. We did. That was... I'm afraid. I'm just afraid. Uh, <laughs> no, we... Uh, no, I forgot what I was going to say. Re-entry problems. So, re-entry problems, right. So, we, we, we talked about... Yeah, we did talk about that in connection with, with uh, Lost in the our wives and Lost in the Cosmos and trying not to ever sleep on the couch again. It's a hard, hard struggle. It is a difficult feat. So, but what this ties into from this set of, set of episodes is your thing in the last episode about this being Khaled Hussini's self-criticism. Yeah. Right, and that's in in the chapter after the young man who tries to help Roshi. Idris. Idris. Um, after he gets back to the United States, possibly because one of the the most recent books I had read was Lost in the Cosmos, all I kept thinking about was reentry problems in that chapter. Oh yeah. So okay, you know, I see it. Idris has gone to this this sort of foreign territory where, as we talked about last episode, he is the one with the power, he's the one with, like, the status, um, and in, in sort of a, really a scenario that could have come straight out of Lost in the Cosmos, he's, like, this displaced person in a completely new context in which he almost has a greater opportunity to connect with his self, uh, with who he is. Um, at sort of a, a deep level, right? He has this opportunity. He, you know, and he thinks he's he's, and it's it's this whole idea of transcendence, right? Mm -hmm. um, he lives in this sort of comfortable uh, first world, middle class, upper middle class life that he's trying to transcend. And the way that he's finding to transcend that is by being in the Middle East, helping these, you know, helping these sort of poor unfortunates. And specifically, that finds its like ultimate expression in his, his helping uh, Roshi. Yes. Right. So now he has to go back to California, go back to that middle class life, and make peace with the fact that he has a gigantic 
home theater system that probably, you know, the, the money spent on it could fund Roshi's next year of treatments. And how does he sort of re-find himself within that context? Well, in a sense, mentally being in this completely other alien context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those those very re-entry problems are central to his character. I I I really enjoyed reading his chapter mm-hmm. where he comes back and he's well. I I enjoyed it and I felt pain at reading it. Uh-huh. Um, he he came back and got annoyed with his kids for right. how privileged they felt after he had seen the great need over on the other side of the world. Right. And then over time, he comes to be the same as his kids. Right. He becomes the very thing he despises. Right. And, I mean, Which yeah. Is how he solves the reentry problems is by avoiding where he was and becoming where he is. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, like, to me, that's the most, like, part of this book that I probably identified with the most. Because, you know, a lot of this book is about characters and, and cultural contexts that I'm very unfamiliar with, at least mm-hmm. firsthand, right? But um, here's the strong point of College Rossini, though, is that he makes it relatable. Exactly, yeah. He he very much does, and there's, you know, there's that about him, but this is the part of the book that, like, just from my own experience, like, I didn't need him to do any work to relate yeah. it to me. Yeah. Um, Like, it's so easy when you're in a comfortable sort of... Uh, less challenging cultural context to just allow that comfort to run away with you and to just sort of be complacent that i don't maybe it's just like a universal thing like maybe it's just you know the the struggle that anyone goes through to get outside of sort of the very real struggles of their normal life and try to look at anything beyond that and, like, that's maybe one of the major questions of this book, is, like, is there any difference there? Is mm. there, you know, like, uh, is there such a thing as first world problems? Yeah. Um, you know, or are there just human problems? And are there just people sure. reacting to their human problems poorly versus people reacting well, to their human and that's, problems that's well? that's connected with the unnamed... Uh, father, Baba, of um, the character who befriends the son of Abdullah's half-brother, um, which is the super most complicated way of explaining that. Right. Uh, where you've got this warlord who has privilege in Afghanistan. Right. Uh, as opposed to those who are poor and in the slums. Um, so, like, he has everything. Versus those who have nothing. And so, but he's in this third world country. Right. Ish. So it's not a first world problem there. Right. It is a human problem. But it's, it's, it is still a problem of privilege and power. Yeah. Um, that, you know, the, the son of this warlord is in a very privileged position. Um, and that chapter is almost about him realizing that that and that that chapter itself is kind of um that that's maybe the easiest chapter forget to forget mm-hmm. unless mm-hmm. i'm forgetting another chapter which, <laughs> <laughs> which makes that one the easiest chapter to forget uh but that in that one because it is a miniature of the chapter of 
uh, Idris right. and Roshi. Right. It's it's the same problem because the the main character in that chapter is right. the son whose name I'm forgetting, um, who befriends uh, the son of Iqbal. Is that his name? The half brother of Abdullah and Pari. That sounds right. Um, the and that son kind of converts the son of the warlord over to his side to his sympathy. And so he's thinking, okay, I'm sympathizing with him, and this is this is the right way to do things. But then mm-hmm. uh, it just becomes easier for him to backtrack into the way life was before. Right. Which is part of my thesis of why characters do not change in this book. Mm-hmm. Because change approaches them, but they reject it, ultimately. Right. Change cannot be part of the characters. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And it yeah. being a miniature of... So that's chapter Idris. 7 that we've been talking about. And um, the the final paragraph of that chapter is very telling on all of these points that you've just raised. Adele thought he would stand there a while in the field, watching the hills and the mountains n- looming over New Shadbag. Mm. And then he thought he would reach into his pocket for what he had found one day walking through the orchard, the left half of a pair of spect- spectacles, snapped at the bridge, the lens of spiderweb of crab, cracks, the temple crusted with dried blood. He would toss the broken spectacles into a ditch. Adele suspected that as he turned back around and walked home, and here's the key clause to everything that you're talking about here, Adele suspected that as he turned around and walked home, what he would feel mostly would be relief. Yes. Um, so he's retreating into that sort of comfortable world. Yep. Uh, and what's that you, you just reminded me of this, and this is ironic that this is the most forgettable chapter, mm-hmm. um, because this is the chapter where the title of the book comes from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because right. there are the mountains. He goes out and sees the mountains, and then right. leaves, and all that's left of the mountains are the echo of right. the mountains. Literally, the mountains echoed right. in this chapter. Right. And the mountains being that that memory of of something that you encountered once and then they're gone right so like like i said at the at the beginning of this analysis there are really cool ideas in this book yeah and by and large it passes on those ideas right it 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 sort of tickles them Mm -hmm. but then leaves them alone before they can break into real peals of laughter right right (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, very good. I guess this is just a, the me making outlandish analogies episode. Um, that's that's okay. Do you want a stupid part of this podcast? Yeah. Do you want to hear the discussion questions that are printed at the back of this paperback copy? Absolutely. Uh, I am reading. Let me let me look at the the publication page here, just so so we can all uh, orient ourselves here. Right. Um, copyright 2013. Reader's Guide. Copyright 2014. That's my problem. It's the Reader's Guide. Copyright. Uh, 2014 Reader's Guide Edition with discussion questions. There are 12, I think, discussion questions in here. 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, so question one. Mm-hmm. And the Mountains Echoed introduces us to Sabor and his children. See, I had forgotten the name mm-hmm. of the father, Sabor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reader's Guides always yeah. make great to-do about names, and names are the first frickin' thing I forget. Sure. Eh, you know, I was going to talk a little bit about names but it really oh, we were going to do matter. names with Michael, but maybe there isn't one for this one. You know, there there might be, but like, just but I, I said, might have some simply because Arabic is similar in a way to Hebrew, and sure. I know Hebrew, right? But eh. 
And but I've said the phrase names with Michael so you can now do the music. Name. 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 Name with Michael. Yeah, it'll be there, yeah. but that's okay. Anyway, anyway. Uh, Sabor and his children, Abdullah and Pari, which means fairy, mm. which is cool. And the shocking... To do with the song but, that... Right, that, that song, and it's like the city, but without the S. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she winds up living in the city and having a French accent. Yep. Um, so, so good job doing a mini names with Michael. Mini names with Michael right there. <laughs> uh, also, fairy and changeling. Yep. There we go. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, done. Period. All right. Yeah, uh, and the and shocking... she is the main character. So. Right, she's the there main character, the changeling fairy, Harry. Uh, heartbreaking event that divides them. From there, the book branches off to include multiple other characters and storylines before circling back to Abdullah and Perry. How does each of the other characters relate back to the original story? That's part one of question one. Okay, so like part one of question one is literally what you would have gotten if you read this book at all. Period. Done. What themes is the author exploring by having these stories counterpoint one another? Okay, he's not exploring themes. Okay. He's just taking themes and lining them up like in a line and then kicking them in the ass. Okay, like dominoes. Yep, okay. but but not. But not dominoes. But not, because they're not like falling into one another. They're just, they're just moving falling. down the line. Yeah. Okay. okay. Question number two. Okay. The novel begins with an extraordinary sacrifice that has ramifications for generations. What do you think of the decisions Sabor makes? Okay, so... Judge this character morally. Right. That's what this question is asking. Right. So, like, which entails, like, an entire discussion of moral judgments throughout Western history, starting right. with Plato... Well, and, and assuming Western history morals actually, impose yeah, upon this... that's true. Um, which I'm assuming just, like, that this is what that is, but you're right, it could not be. Okay, so, we have to, now we have to do an entire moral history of Western culture based on both Plato and the Pentateuch, and we also have to do a moral history of Arabic culture, potentially based on the Quran and, um, the, the sort of derivative writings from there. Yep. Yeah, so... That's a thousand pages. Okay. Go on. Sounds good. Uh, so while you're writing that. Right. How are Neela and Nabi implicated in it? In what? The decisions Sabor makes. They aren't. They, well, they are. But... No, they're not. Okay. <laughs> he, he made a decision, but it was completely independent of the two people. They had nothing to do with it. The decision about, yes. Even though Nabi in his chapter said that it was my idea. Right. Okay. I don't know how he named you specifically. Okay. Nabi in his chapter is like, it was he Michael Lilienthal. It was Michael Lilienthal who did yeah. that. Actually, there's another one, Nabi. I'm not sure about this, but in Hebrew, Navi is priest. Oh, interesting. Um, Which is, yeah, very yeah, interesting be because interesting. he is the one who orchestrates the sacrifice to be made. Right. Um, Dang, son. Boom! Names with Michael in miniature. Um, <laughs> this is going to just become names of Michael if we're not careful. This whole thing is just going to be that. What do you think of their motives, Ethan? Uh, I don't think of their motives. You don't think of their motives. Okay. So, yeah. Whom do you think has the best intentions of these three adults, meaning Sabor, Nila, and Nami? Why would you ask that question? <laughs> Who cares? 
Why? Why? Why shouldn't anybody care? Why should anybody care? Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. Ultimately, do you think Pari would have had a happier life if she had stayed with her birth family? You know, I literally wow. asked that question. Wow, literally asked that question. With, I, so let me let me just give the disclaimer: I did not read these beforehand. You officially are the worst. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, although my, to be fair, my question was not intending for the answer to that question to be the answer to that question. Right, I got that. Okay. I don't uh, think anybody else did. But nobody else did, but you got it. Yeah. That's so, the important thing. Exactly. All right, number three. Think of other sacrifices that are made throughout the book. Are you doing that? Are I you am. thinking of other I sacrifices? Am. Are there certain choices that are easier than others? Uh, no. Okay. Is Sabor's sacrifice of Perry easier or more difficult than Parwana's sacrifice of her sister? Yes. Okay. I don't, I don't know. Uh, these are supposed to be discussion questions, but we're just not going to discuss them. No, but that's the answer. Reread the last question you read. Is Sabor's sacrifice of Perry easier or more difficult than Parwana's sacrifice? Yes. Okay. The answer is yes. It's By definition, or more difficult. it is either easier or, or it is more, more difficult. difficult. We're just not going to discuss it. We're just going to answer it. Exactly. That's, see, that's my point. We're right. Just, we're just not going to discuss yeah. these questions. We're just going to answer them. Exactly. <laughs> how, how that's are all they, they deserve. How are they similar and how are they different? Uh, No, but also yes. That's not actually an answer. Okay, that's okay, though. <laughs> Who else makes sacrifices in the books? I, just, I, I spoke. I do. You, you know, that's actually a fair answer to this question. Um, the reader, the reader Ethan, makes sacrifices by taking the time to read the well, book. Well, and if you think of the storyteller as the one who's gaining the power, then exactly. by reading, you are giving up power. Exactly. So sacrificing. There you what go. is that? That sounds like some other like mythological creature that I have heard of. I don't know what you'd be talking about. I don't. Either. Minotaur? Is that it? I think it's the Minotaur. No, it's not the Minotaur. I think that's where we're going. It's the Minotaur. What is the Minotaur like? What do you think the author is saying about the nature of of the decisions we make in our lives and the ways in which they affect others? Okay, I got this. I got this. All of the decisions that we make in our lives are completely in a vacuum, and they do not affect others in any way, shape, or form. That's what Khaled Husseini is saying. That's what I thought. Okay. Okay, I won this quiz, right? You did. You okay. did. Number four. Out beyond... Really? A number four? Yep. Oh. <laughs> Out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. The author chose this 13th century Rumi poem as the epigraph for the book. Discuss the novel in light of this poem. Okay. Here's the thing. Um, He, dis- he chose... Very explicitly, a 13th century Rumi poem and not a 12th century Rumi poem or a 14th century Rumi poem. Because 13 is the numerological symbol for bad luck. You're horrible. And everyone in this novel... just die. Just go die right now. Suffers from bad luck. In a hole. So this novel is literally just an anatomy of poor luck. No one will mourn you. You're dead forever. I'm going to kill you and bury your body. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, this is, this is, this is, you know, listener, if you've listened this far, just stop. We're just, we're going to keep sorry. going, but stop. We're really sorry, and also, yes, stop for your own good. For your own good. We're going to keep going. What do you think he is saying about right doing and wrongdoing in the lives of his characters or in the world? What the f*** does wrongdoing and right doing even mean? Thank Move you. on. Number five, discuss the question of wrongdoing and rightdoing in the context of the different characters okay. and their major dilemmas in the book. Sabor and his daughter, Perry, 
Parwana and her sister Masuma, the expats Idris and Timur, and the injured girl Roshi, Adele, his warlord father, and their interactions with Golam and his father, and Abdullah's half-brother Iqbal, Talia and her mother. What the frick? <laughs> Let me see that. There you go, number five. <laughs> it literally does say all of that. It does. It absolutely okay. does. So, so, so Reader's Digest freaking Reader's Guide questions. Like, someone uh, passed off question number five to the intern. Yeah, absolutely. Who had, like, question number five was written by an intern. Just read the book and, like, made a list of all the characters, and then went back and literally didn't even read what I always read, the opening part. Yep. Um, And went back farther than that and read the epigraph. Yep. And based the entire question on having read the epigraph, and all of the characters' names. Yep. <laughs> Do any of them regret the things they have done? No. Move on. <laughs> I think that's wrong, but okay. <laughs> what impact does it have on them? No. Move on. <laughs> Number six. The overlapping relationships of the different characters are, gonna stop are you right here. and reflective no. of real life. The answer is no. Discuss the connections among the different characters, how they are made, grown, and sustained. Consider some of the ways in which an event in one family is shown to resonate in the lives of many other characters. Can you name some examples? Wow. Okay, so we've gone past book discussion group questions to questions the intern wrote while hungover, and we've <laughs> gone through that to um, just, like, test questions that if you assign this book in fifth grade, you would put on a test. It's horrible. It's horrible. just a bad discussion. We're, we're halfway through. I'm just going to skip. Um, okay, please do. Let me see. Uh, Sabur's bedtime story opened the book. Does it? Uh, are you sure? Did form, we say that like seven times, points. or am I just imagining? Uh, that? The old oak tree. We didn't actually talk about the old oak tree. We didn't. That's true. That was interesting. That's uh, so let me read question nine. The old oak tree in Shadbog plays an important role for many different characters: Parwana, Masuma, Sabur, Abdullah, and Pari during its life. Stop listing characters. <laughs> That's not good discussion. That's just barely proving that you read maybe the book. Maybe. Maybe, maybe the book. Maybe, maybe the part notes. Maybe. What is its significance in the story? It's being the old oak trees. So the old oak tree is a symbol for sexuality. I um, disagree, and but go on. All of these characters actually want to have sex with all of the other characters. That's... Except, except for Pari's mother and the servant. But... They don't want to have sex with each other. And also the servant and Pari's husband. They also Literally, none that's wrong. of those people have want to have sex with each other. Literally, other than that, that's wrong. All of the characters in the book want to uh, have sex with each other, and that's symbolized by the limbs of the old oak tree. I will say that the oak tree is representative of memory. Because it is emphasized twice at least, twice, Josiah, that uh it has been on this show, so everyone has, knows him. So everybody knows. Uh that the old oak tree remembers uh, Genghis Khan. That's true. Arms. And That's then it's cut down, so the arc of memory is reflected in the oak tree. That's so, true. partially, partially, just a little bit, that's a fair question. Almost good. Almost good. But um, also, like, based on all of the other questions, requiring a depth of reading, I don't think any of the other questions are assuming yeah. that the reader has. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to skip, skip to the last question, number 12. Discuss the title and the mountains echoed and why you think it was chosen. Can you find examples of echoes or recurrences in the plot? Is the structure in the structure of the to storytelling? No. 
No. No, no, also no, and also we didn't say this like 15 times over the last two episodes. So. Yep. Okay. Are you going to go back to that script? I need that script. You need that script. I do. Okay. I'm literally at the point where I can only just read things that are put in front of me. Oh, okay. I don't have any original thoughts. (laughs) All right. That's a problem. I don't. It is. Uh. So. Go to the bathroom. Really? Hi. Hi. Okay. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, let's close this show out. (laughs) All right. Good. I feel like we thought about the idea last month of one of us having to take a pee in the middle of a show being a loss. Yes, one of us did. But I think it was never you. officially established it. It was you who thought about it. I thought about I it. I took the pee. Yep. But I don't think we established it. Should no, we, we establish it right now? Let's establish it for future episodes. Yes. Well, yeah. I, so. We've established that we can't establish things in retcon. Right, that's that's true. We have done that. That's so, very bad. In future episodes, potty breaks in the middle of an episode will earn a punishment. However, we should say that that should not stop us because we don't want any kind of urinary infection. Correct. Like, we're going to just like, take our potty breaks and then take our punishment. It is worth the punishment to avoid a UTI. Yeah. Can men get those? Yeah. I assume they can, because oh, they yeah. do have a UT. Right. So. So that UT can get eyed. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's bad, and we don't want it. <laughs> All right. Well, now that Michael is back, finally. Thanks. I'm back. welcome. I'm here. Mm, back to the front, you're sideways. Uh, what? I would like to introduce the book we'll be reading next month. Yes? So here's the thing about this book, right? So you, was, know, you didn't introduce the book that we're going to be reading next month in the last episode for our readers, for our listeners. Wow, you're right. No, don't we not ever do that? We just tweet it out. Yeah, usually. That's okay. Yeah, we don't usually do it in the first one. We do it in the second one, even though right. they know after the first one. Right. Uh, because time is really super difficult. It is. It is very It difficult. is. We okay. do what we can. We do, but we're we're victims of chronology. Okay, so the interesting thing about this book, you say? Uh, okay. So I was thinking originally about like what book I wanted us to read next, right? Uh huh. And a couple things occurred to me. A, we have done pretty much all like Western authors. Like we started with Murakami, yes, and like we read Hosini this month. But, but he's a much, westernized Eastern he's author. He's definitely a westernized author. Um, so, pr- like, pretty much just, you know, like, white people, basically. Which is not sure. the worst thing. Like, there is a good white people literary tradition that we could talk about forever, but, like, variety is also nice, right? Mm-hmm. A it's second, the spice of life, some right, say. Exactly. A second thing I noticed is that a lot of book podcasts and, like, book blogs and stuff really just discuss contemporary authors like we just you know and and i noticed this when i was looking at several years ago looking at um mfa programs and creative writing and stuff like they only just discuss authors that have written in the last five to ten to fifteen years um and i get sick of that as someone who is fascinated by like 16th 17th 18th century novels and proto novels like, I get really mad when people think that 
our literary tradition begins like 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, or less. But we know that our gentle listeners do not think that way. Right. They're far smarter they, than the average bear. There's are far smarter than the average bear, as that's, you just said. That's not what I said. <laughs> that's pretty much what you said. Um, <laughs> but either way, they are. But... At the same time, so, like, I didn't want to do that. So I was like, what, you know... Oh, and the other thing I noticed, every single one of our authors so far has been male. Oh. Yeah. yeah right? You're right. Like, we have not done a single female author. Wow. Okay. So I was thinking about this in terms of uh, thinking about picking the next book, right? Okay. Except. 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 Then... I and read. You didn't do any. Of I that. didn't do. I literally didn't do any you, of you that. You had this huge setup, and then you did none of it. I did none of it because, and you know, obviously, like I read other stuff than is on this podcast. Like, oh, yeah. I'll read a couple, three books between whatever books we read for this podcast. And what was just supposed to be one of those books, and then was supposed to just go away, was in fact the book that we are going to read next month. Oh, okay. Um, and this book is called Plain Song by Kent Haruf. Kent, okay. the obvious way, Haruf, H-A-R-U-F. Plain Song, one word, combining the word plain and the word song into one word. Um, and this is a male author who is, like, super American. White. Super white. <laughs> uh, and this book, I mean, it's not... Completely uh, contemporary, but uh, I want to. So uh, copyright ninety nine. Okay. So within the Still last within the last twenty years, years, twenty years, twenty easy. years, yeah, yeah. Um, so fairly not maybe the most contemporary, but fairly contemporary. But here's the thing about this book, and this is your copy of this. Oh, thank book. you. You're thank welcome. You very much. This book knocked me flat on my butt. No, oh, okay. Like you know, that's something. Um. If I can interrupt you, that's yeah. something we didn't really talk about with And the Mountains Echoed, mm -hmm. is that it completely destroyed me Okay. at points. At points, I would agree. And that's 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 the disclaimer on it, is at points. And that's, again, mm -hmm. why I wish he had approached it as just an anthology of short stories. But, see, here's the thing, and I meant to mention this earlier, that wouldn't sell. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Um, Nobody buys an anthology of short stories Or anymore. it might sell, but the publisher wouldn't think it would sell. Which is right. why you have to take an anthology of short stories and make it into a novel. Right. Which I've seen more than once, like more than just this book. Oh, sure. Um, Absolutely. Especially in the last um, five to there's, ten years. There's a, a book uh, out there that will never appear on this podcast because I don't like it. Uh, maybe called, I will make it. Uh, maybe. Night Circus. Oh, yeah. Um, no, that won't appear. No. It, um, it was worth reading. I liked reading absolutely. it. Absolutely. Here's the thing, though. But, it's not a novel. It's billed as a novel. It should have been billed as an event. Yeah. It's if not it had even been called an event. I would have loved it. Not even a collection of short stories. No, it's not. It's it com something almost completely wants different. To be... But again, it's something that's that that is something other than what it claims to be. Right. Um and it's a similar thing. So, uh there's a anyway. there's a a book that claims to be a novel called A Visit from the Goon Squad. And it's a really, really wonderful collection of interconnected short stories. My main problems with it are, A, sometimes it tries to be science fiction and completely fails, and B, it's not a novel, it's a connect collection of short stories. Anyway, 
So there are a couple examples. Um, but this book, this book Plain Song, you. this book completely destroyed me. In this book, I had an experience that I've only ever had before when watching one or two Terrence Malick films, where my wife might walk into the room and find me just sobbing, <laughs> just sobbing, and when she asks me what's wrong, all I can say is something like, well, but the old men, they bought a crib. Like, that's <laughs> it. Or like, when when I was watching uh, Terrence Malick's movie, To the Wonder, and it's like, the little girl was going through Walmart. And that's literally what made me sob about this. Like, it's the same kind of thing. And maybe we will get into why and what is about this more when you've actually read it. But it literally just completely destroyed me, this book. Like, books usually don't literally make me, like, put put me on my ass, like, put me on the floor. But this book literally did. Alright. And so it'll be interesting because it's a very minimalist book. And I wonder how much we'll, t- we'll talk about as far as, like, the stuff we talked about this time, like, theme... And and symbol and so forth. Mm-hmm. There's probably some, and I have to reread it, and I have to think there will be more. But even if we just spend two hours talking about craft, this book will just fill that. All right. All right. Um, so, at least I think so. So you, I'm interested to see what you think of it and what you get out of it. Um, sure. But as we mentioned the last round of podcasts, like two to three episodes ago, like. The reason we created this podcast is to force each other to read the books we wanted each other to read. Yep. And this is just pretty much fulfilling that niche. Okay. All that said, that's probably very confusing for both you, Michael, and also the gentle listener. But here we are, and that's where we're going. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to this book, then. Cool. All right. So, next month. Once again, we'll be reading Plain Song by Kent Haruff. Uh, please feel free to read along. If you'd like to join in the discussion, there are several ways to do that. You can visit us at tapestryradio.org. There is a contact form there. Leave your feedback. Uh, be sure to put Scotch Talk in the subject line. Uh, you you can. can also, uh, this is something we haven't mentioned before, but every Excellent. episode we post, you can also just put comments right on those episodes. Oh, yeah. And those are left, those, those are completely public. We can see them. Other listeners can come on and see them too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can start a discussion just in the comments section underneath any episode. Mm-hmm. So. Good. You can do that too. Cool. Yeah, that's a really good point. And we'd love to see those, participate in those if they, if they happen. So if you like what we do here each month, review us. Uh, literally anywhere that we are. Um, I know we're on iTunes. I know we're on Stitcher. I know we're on Podcast Addict. I know we're on Podknife, as we talked about last episode. You know, any reviews, anything, especially, you know, your five-star reviews that only leave five-star reviews. But, I mean, leave, be honest, but also only leave five-star reviews. Five stars, and then you can write that this podcast is horrible. But also just leave five five stars. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best way to do it. You know, so We'd be happy with that. Literally anywhere that you can talk about it like that, if you want to tweet about us, if you want to Facebook about us, like we don't really have an advertising budget of any yeah, kind. Really. And so like if if you do like us, just talking about us 
literally anywhere that you can talk about us that you know how to that is convenient, like that will help us. Right. Um, so feel free to do that. Follow us on Twitter at Room with Scotch. Follow our Facebook page, which is just Michael and Ethan in a Room with Scotch. If you want other podcasts that are good, follow us on <laughs> Facebook at Tapestry Radio Network. We have a Tapestry Radio Tap House. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like the private group, but we will admit you so long as you're not like a robot or a Nazi, basically. Um, I feel like there were other criteria. No, those are basically it. Okay. Uh, we we do have other great shows from the Tapestry Radio Network. Intermission, our um, fiction audio drama podcast. Uh, Roll to Amble, our D&D 5th edition real play podcast. Pokemon Rollout. The Pokemon Tabletop United Real Play Podcast. Sweet. Uh, yeah, all those really good shows. They're all super great. Great. Okay, so that said, Michael, what did you think of the Scotch? Um, in general, I really liked it. The The simplicity of the, the peat on top of a, a just basic grassy Scotch mm-hmm. was something that made this scotch something that I think should be more of, like, a staple sort of scotch, Hmm. you know? Um, Like, when you think scotch, and just the most basic sort of scotch you just keep in your cupboard for guests or whatever. Like a single malt that that you'd keep for, like, not just any guest, but, like, a guest who knows how to appreciate their scotch. Right, right. You just have this one. Yeah. Um, That being said... With continued sips, mm-hmm. it started to level out a little bit for me. Okay. It simply did not tell a complete story for me. Okay. So I, I'm not going to rate it super highly. I'm going to give it a 3 out of 5. Uh, because it is one of those where it's I, I it's solid. And it's something mm-hmm. that I think I would be super happy drinking again. Mm-hmm. But there's... Stuff that's better. Mm-hmm. A lot better. Um, okay. But I did appreciate this scotch. Uh, and it, it's unique, too, in that it's got that simple, as I said, grassy scotch single maltness at the yeah. bottom with the peatiness over the top of it. And See, that's really interesting to me. Sure. Um, I'm, I would say roughly in agreement with you. Uh... What so I got the grassiness. I like the grassiness, like and I like the the peatiness. There's definitely a smoky, like a smokier than other single malt element to mm-hmm. it. Um, and those things are both good. What I got was like almost if you took sort of a peat fire, right, and mm-hmm. you put like vanilla beans and like orange peels, okay, and then you covered it with sort of a grassy thing and then you know you burned all that off yeah. and this would be like the the um if you could capture in liquid form that burn off sure right so there's definitely to me like a vanilla and orange thing happening and again i'm sort of with you like i've definitely liked other scotches better but i'm looking again at the description that we read last episode that it makes this whiskey something of a hidden gem worth seeking out. Yeah. And yeah. I would say that generally. Like, if you're the sort of person who sort of 
buys, say, one bottle of single malt and works through it, however quickly or slowly, and then goes on to another one. Like, this is worth putting in your lineup, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, uh, in, just... in addition to the, the citrus stuff that you mentioned, there's, there's a little bit of dark fruit, maybe a little blueberry. Yeah, sure. Yep. small hint of blueberry yeah, to that's it. that's what I, on my first sip, I got, like, the orange and the grass and the, the uh, vanilla, and then there was, like, a hit of something else, and that's what it was. It was, like, a dark, like, smoked blueberry. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, taste Which, that's, that's maybe the most interesting part of it. And it's got a little bit of that rich, dark fruit, but it's so subdued mm-hmm. that you really have to pay attention to it, which maybe gives it a little bit of... Of, of its value. You have yeah. to pay attention to it. You have to love it. You have to yeah. coax it out. So ah. based on all that, I'm going to give it like a four out of five. All right. All right. I was thinking three and a half, but the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, this is a four. It's a subtle four. but it's Subtle a four. four. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, so now is the part where we rate the book and our system is recommend or don't recommend. What do you say, Michael? I would recommend this book. Uh, however, before I would recommend this book, I would recommend A Thousand Splendid Sons Okay. by Khaled Hassini. Uh, A Thousand Splendid Sons is way better. You know, with that ranking that I gave in the last episode, uh, putting Kite Runner at the bottom and The Mountains Echoed in, in the middle and A Thousand Splendid Sons at the top, mm-hmm. to, to give a little bit more perspective on that, if, if Kite Runner were a zero, it, it's not a zero, I, I, there is some merit to it, but if it were a zero... A Thousand Splendid Suns would be 50, and And the Mountains Echoed would be about 40, 35, somewhere in okay. there. So, like, just to give a perspective of the of the variance sure. uh, and, the, and the, the distance between the ratings, I would highly recommend this book way more, way, way more than Kite Runner, but I would recommend A Thousand Splendid Suns before I would recommend this book. Okay. Simply because it has a more solid, cohesive story to it. Like it's actually a novel. It is actually a novel, and again, I think if this book had just been a short story collection, and that ending had fit the idea of a short story collection rather than trying so hard to get the whole book to wrap up together and conclude in a good way. The last line is great. That's awesome. Uh, but it doesn't need to stretch for 30 pages to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would recommend the book. It is very interesting uh, and, and very good in general, but I would put A Thousand Splendid Suns before it. Gotcha. I think I agree with you without the part where I've read A Thousand Splendid Suns, because I haven't. I I mean, I'm in general sort of uncomfortable with the recommend, don't recommend, like, rubric. Sure. Um, but I'm, I mean, I'm willing to participate in it, but it's like, okay, here's the thing. If anything in these two episodes where you've already read And the Mountains Echoed made you want to read And the Mountains Echoed, I would say go ahead and read it. Independently of that, if you haven't read it and you're asking me whether you should read it, I would say there's other stuff you could read that accomplishes the same thing better. Hmm. If you want any of, like, the social and cultural history or, like, the more recent history of, like, the 
American imperial entanglements in Afghanistan, there are non-fiction works that do all of that better. If you want sort of a novel about some of that stuff, there are other things that do that better. You know, this is this is a good book that's worth reading if you're already interested in all of those topics, but it's definitely not where I would recommend anyone go first. Um, and I'm tempted to say I'd recommend uh, A Thousand Splendid Sons first, even though I haven't read it, just based on Michael's testimony. So based on that, with all of those qualifiers, I'm going to say don't recommend, unless you really want to read it, or have read it already, then I do recommend. Fair. What did you think of the Scotch book pairing? I liked it. I, I liked this pairing. Um, the Scotch is, um, you know, we're, we're talking about the simplicity of the Scotch, which it provides a little bit of a context to the the desert of Afghanistan uh, mm-hmm. with, you know, that, that hint of something a little bit more fruity, the blueberry or the citrus underneath there, yeah. the vanilla. Um, and that's something that's that's, kind of hinted at in the background and so you could you could read this book with that you know the hints in the background the the memories there that are so easily fading away um but with that that very simple everything all at once sort of ending to it yeah i agree makes it makes it work really well i agree like the discussion of memory to me like holds over to the scotch where um, you could just get grassy and peaty and smoky notes um, and forget that there's some other sort of subtle complexities going on, uh, which to me pairs really well with this novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. All so, right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Michael. Uh, until next month, we are Michael and Ethan in a room with Scott. That we are.
obscurantism, and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener, obviated objects of oblivion obambulating about, offered unto you in the Tapestry Radio Network. TapestryRadio.org, from our fancy to yours. Thank you.